Dear listener, this is Interfaith-ish. I'm your host, Jack Gordon, and every other Wednesday, right here on Tacoma Radio, we bring you bold conversations about what we believe, why we believe, and how we navigate the common ground and differences between our traditions. Dear listener, back in March, Interfaith-ish celebrated four years on Tacoma Radio, and soon after, we hit the high-water mark of 100 episodes. 100 inquisitive and informative interfaith conversations with illuminating interlocutors from across our illustrious nation. To celebrate our anniversary, I invited listeners like you to share your reflections on favorite episodes, what you've learned, and what you've appreciated about our humble offering to the public discourse around the role of religion and belief in society. It cheered my heart so much to hear from so many friends and gave me a terrific surge of energy and enthusiasm to keep going. Unfortunately, just as I was wrapping up the production on that episode, however, disaster struck, and I was hit with a pretty devastating technical snafu that I've been sorting out ever since. But this week, I was finally able to limp back onto the track and get moving again. So, after much delay, a few months, and a few episodes late, Here's our second take at a 100th episode, 4th anniversary celebration, starring you, dear listener, and some of your favorite interfaith-ish. Hey, yo, Jack, what's going on, man? This is Osa. Yo, you you 100 episodes deep in the game. That's what's up, man. Yeah, and your fourth anniversary, man. Big ups all the way around. I appreciate all the work that you've done, not just with the podcast, but just what I've seen you do with Interfaith in general and how you really, really bought that life. I give it to you, bro. You you got it, man. <laughs> you got it. Um, and I appreciate all the things that you've taught me. Uh, particularly about the Baha'i faith, but just also about humanity in general. So, man, I wish you, man, a hundred more episodes, four more years, and 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 everything you want out of this life, bro. You deserve it. Peace, brother. Hey, Jack Gordon. It's Jen Brandell here, a guest on Interfaithish. Wanted to congratulate you on your hundredth show. It's really incredible to commit to doing anything more than a few times, especially when it's a great idea, but it might not be like the biggest moneymaker. Not making assumptions here, but I know Interfaithish is just one of many things that you do. And I wanted to thank you and all of the incredible guests you've had on for making a much needed space to talk about the big topics of life through a variety of lenses that all point to things that are just bigger than us as individuals and things that are important about how we live and how we live together in a pluralistic society with many different viewpoints, religions, ways of being that are all valid and beautiful and rich and deep and worth knowing about regardless of what one's personal beliefs are. So thank you for doing what you do and to a hundred more and many more after that. Thank you Interfaithish for teaching me so much about people, religions, ways of being that I never knew about. And I can't wait for my daughter to learn from what you've shared as well. Thanks, Jack. Bye.
Dear listener, when we launched Interfaith-ish back in 2018, I was about a decade into doing interfaith community organizing here in the DC area. And a huge part of what has kept me going is all the wonderful friends I've been able to meet along the way. And that's why this show was an exciting opportunity to put together a program with two friends who have been stalwart collaborators in building community across areas of difference. I'm grateful to Sue Katz Miller, who introduced me to Tacoma Radio, and Miranda Hovmeyer, who I previously worked with to grow the DC Interfaith Leadership Summit. My two interfaith astronauts have hung with me as I felt my way through what was a totally new experience doing live radio. Together with some awesome music tracks from my friend Jeff Philosopher, we were able to put together a show that has had the spark of something very special right from the start. I also want to, of course, thank Marika, Olivia, and Steve, our team at WOWD Tacoma Radio, for supporting the idea and encouraging us each step of the way. Here's a clip from that very first episode of Interfaith-ish back in 2018. Here's a curveball for you. So what about this idea of an interfaith movement? What does that mean to you, especially when we think about the current climate, the, the context of being in a moment where there's a lot of high-profile advocacy and solidarity efforts aimed at supporting particularly certain religious minorities? Are these part of an interfaith movement, um, or is, this, is it possible that we can even claim that there is such a thing as an interfaith movement? So a lot of people trace the movement back to the 19th century Hmm. when there was the first parliament of world religions. And that was the first time that I think people came together purposefully from many religions to speak together in a formal context. But that type of what you called multi-faith engagement often I think of as the three beards model (laughs) where you have clergy, maybe a a rabbi, a priest, and an imam all sitting on a stage, each maybe reading or quoting from their own scriptures, and then maybe shaking hands and then going back into their religiously labeled boxes. I think of that as kind of old school Mm -hmm. interfaith. Mm -hmm. And I think what's happened more recently, in particular since 9-11, there was a feeling that we have to go deeper, that we have to have deeper understanding. And so I think we're now in a sort of an interfaith movement 2.0, which represents the complexity, which acknowledges that people do sometimes convert from one religion to another or leave religion altogether and become secular humanists, that there are people who are multiple religious practitioners, that there are permanent bonds that tie us and that we don't just go back into our little monofaith boxes, that almost all of us have extended interfaith families at this point or work in environments where we are engaging on a daily basis with people of other religions. So it's not just something that we watch happening on a stage between three old bearded men. Mm-hmm. I will note that Jack does have a beard. That's right. <laughs> Hopefully I'm not in the old category. No, yet. none of us is old. So <laughs> we are definitely hashtag Gen Interfaith. Well, and I mean, I saw those guys, you know, on my way here, the imam, rabbi, and the priest. They were all just hanging out at the bar. So, <laughs> the know. snow day, there's nothing. Yeah, there's yeah. Hang out there. Yeah. Yep. 
This is Interfaith-ish, our bi-weekly show on WOWD 94.3 FM, where we discuss the common ground and differences between our traditions. I'm your host, Jack Gordon, and this morning, we're listening back to some of our favorite moments from four years of Interfaith-ish, and hearing reflections from past guests and listeners about what they've learned from our show. Hello, Interfaith-ish. Greetings from Addis Ababa. Congratulations on your 100th episode. Your work is so important to the world today. I love the thoughtfulness and sensitivity with which you approach complex topics and the humor, the humor that connects us all. Here's to the next 100. God bless you. I listen to Interfaith-ish because there are always interesting guests engaged in thought-provoking conversations about relevant and complex subjects. And it does so in a unique way, through the lens of multiple faiths. Whether it's a discussion about abortion or a look at the ongoing crisis in Ukraine, I can count on Interfaith-ish to bring together diverse perspectives from activists, leaders, and stakeholders that help me gain a deeper understanding of the topic and greater empathy for the folks affected by it. I haven't found anything else like it, and I believe we need more of it in the national dialogue to help us face and move through complex issues. The more we can all listen to outside perspectives, the better. That's why I tune in to Interfaith-ish. Many people talk about valuing other people's point of view, but in a digital and physical continent that is increasingly isolated and self-referential, few create the space that's needed to engage other voices and perspectives with an eye towards kinship and relationship building. That's why I'm grateful for the work of Interfaith-ish today. I think it's important to learn about other people's religion in order to break down barriers between us that might keep us separate out of fear of the unknown. Interfaith-ish has helped me to learn more about other people's religions and some really interesting and wonderful things about the way that people connect to the world and each other in so many variety of ways. I hadn't even heard of some of the religions that were on the show, and so it's been an interesting journey to learn about all sorts of new experiences and ways to see the world and each other through faith and through religious practice. fond of interfaithish, especially for its unusual pairings that are always surprisingly complementary. The episode that I liked most was on the incorporation of religious aspects 
in comic books, even though that's not especially my genre. Another episode that I found pleasing was a discussion of the inclusion of religion in the book and movie Dune. I like this in part because it seems like science fiction on its great days is asking and responding to spiritual quests of humans. Encouraging this kind of mental and metaphysical bridge is what tickles me. So here's to the next hundred episodes. Thank you, Jack, for thinking outside of the sphere and bringing us all closer to ourselves. Dear listener, hands down, one of my favorite experiences on Interfaith-ish was our live show that we did in 2019 at American University. I worked harder on that particular project and got as much joy back from it than anything I can remember in recent memory. To be honest, the entire show was actually a big excuse for me to do the comics or religion quiz segment, and it's still something I think about regularly. The offer is still out there to just convert this whole show into a program that's nothing but comic book and religion nerd talk. I'm here for it. How about you? All right, next one. Most of the X-Men that we know and love today first banded together in the classic giant-size X-Men number one. This is for you guys. The early history of the Baha'i faith is likewise collected in a giant-sized volume called the Dawnbreakers, about the first group of believers to accept this new religion. What is the title, the special title, of that first group of believers? Is it the Warriors Three, the Squadron Supreme, the Letters of the Living, the Daughters of the Dragon, or Power Pack? The first Baha'is were called the Warriors Three, the Squadron Supreme, the Letters of the Living, the Daughters of the Dragon, or Power Pack. Any guesses? The Letters of the Living. You got it. That's right. The Letters of the Living. There you go. Very nice. Very nice. Well done. Well done. Okay. All right. All right. This one back to Aiden and Asia. Which of the following refers to something of deep religious reverence to members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? and is not, in fact, a magical totem wielded by Dr. Strange. The Eye of Agamotto, the Pearl of Great Price, the Vapors of the Vishanti, the Fires of Ithkalan, or the Crimson Bands of Sitarak. Can we ask a friend? No. <laughs> it's the Pearl of Great That's Price. That's right, very good, give it up for him, the Pearl of Great Price. The Pearl of Great Price is a text that's a selection from the revelations, translations, and narrations of Joseph Smith. Very good. Okay, so likewise, no asking for a friend here. We're going to turn to Hinduism. Which of the following is a deity in the Hindu pantheon? Is it Algrim the Strong, Zarko the Tomorrow Man, Ego the Living Planet, Kalima the Dark Mother, or Galactus the Devourer of Worlds? Any guesses? Algrim the Strong, Zarko the Tomorrow Man, Ego the Living Planet. We're going to try Kalima the Dark Mother. That's right, you're right, Kalima the Dark Mother. All right, very good, very good, very good. Okay, so this one is a, uh, a lightning round. Um, you have to tell me if each of these quotes are either from the Buddha or the Silver Surfer, okay? All right. First quote, when if ever they learn to live in peace as brothers, when will they learn that love is the power supreme? Is it the Buddha or Silver Surfer? I think, okay. 
I thought it was the other one. Oh. <laughs> Both. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The Silver Surfer. You're right. Okay, that one's the Silver Surfer. Okay. <laughs> Next one is... Those who sent me on my mission would not have the earth fall into lasting darkness. They would see men evolve, not regress. You and the other children will lead a new world. Is that the Buddha or the Silver Surfer? I think it's a, yeah. I think it's a surfer. Oh, yeah. I think it's a surfer. Silver Surfer again, you're right. Okay. Number three, truly there is a spark of divinity in all who live and think and strive. Buddha. No, that's also the Silver <laughs> Surfer, actually. He's, he, is, he is a Marvel Comics uh, philosopher. Okay. All right. So, back to uh, Chase, and I promise there are only a couple more of these. Jesus is my Superman. On a mission to save our souls. He strikes and he counter-moves, yeah. To show that God's in. This is Interfaith-ish, our bi-weekly show on WOWD 94.3 FM, where we discuss the common ground and differences between our traditions. I'm your host, Jack Gordon, and this morning, we're listening back to some of our favorite moments from four years of Interfaith-ish, and hearing reflections from past guests and listeners about what they've learned from our show. Dear listener, one of our most popular episodes was our 2019 discussion about the documentary Hail Satan, which presents the ongoing religious liberty fight of the much maligned Satanic Temple. What I enjoyed most about this conversation were the questions it raised about our assumptions of who is welcome at the interfaith table. This definitely struck a chord with numerous listeners as well. Hi, this is Cam from Utah. One of the interfaith-ish episodes that really impacted or left an impression on me was the Hail Satan episode. I'd never heard any conversations on Satanism before. Um, whenever that topic came up, there was a lot of fear or, or judgment and assumptions made. And I was really curious about listening to that episode. And I le left that conversation feeling actually kind of like I could connect to a lot of the principles of of that group I left with some understanding I left with a lot less fear of course there are extremes in in any kind of faith but I was grateful that that episode presented a view especially with not from the outside in but from the inside out break down for us a little bit what is it that the Satanists stand for and how does that maybe conflict with what people may assume that they they know about Satanists? Well, I think uh, one of the major misconceptions is that we are evil or promote evil. And I think a more accurate way to say it is that we, we are also against evil to the extent that we accept the dichotomy of good and evil in the first place, and that we uh, find more value in a counter-reading of the narrative of Satan as rather than this just inherently absolute evil, but uh, instead being the uh, first rebel, the first person to say no to uh, authority and hierarchy and to give humanity 
knowledge, which otherwise was being denied them. And an interesting point about it that I, I thought was articulated in the film more than once was, was that for many Satanists, it's a non-theistic practice that, that they, there may be some people that believe in a, in, in a literal figure of, of Satan, but it doesn't seem that most of the people in the film actually did. In fact, many of them um, cop to being atheists themselves, but a couple of people said if from the London chapter that atheism was not enough, that atheist, being an atheist was boring and, and was simply defining what you are not. And Satanism for them was defining what they did stand for. Right. It's a, a metaphor for expressing our deeply held beliefs and, you know, symbols have power and especially a symbol uh, in our current largely uh, Christian nation in terms of, you know, demographics. It's a very powerful symbol that makes people stop and think and reevaluate the narratives that they've been living with. Anecdotally, we do have quite a few members who uh, come from a completely non-religious background cool. and that... It, it appeals to them because they recognize that um, this is fighting the fight they want to be a part of and that these are powerful symbols to the people that are causing harm and that, uh, l like the person said in the film, like they found atheism boring and unfulfilling and a lot of them also found uh, you know secular humanism mm -hmm. to be kind of along the same lines. They wanted something more uh, proactive, mm -hmm. I guess, and with a... A more um, more active um, sense of sort of fostering what um, a lot of people would flinch at me saying, but the uh, spiritual development of the community. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean a um, metaphysical or supernatural belief, but still mm -hmm. the um, the fulfillment of the person and the uh, you know advancing your knowledge, bettering yourself as a person and um, I haven't found that same kind of community in, in atheist circles and in, in secular humanist circles. Do, mm -hmm. That doesn't mean they're not there, but uh, mm -hmm. I had a lot of similar issues that you had in, in the new atheism and, oh, yeah. <laughs> and stepped out of that. What I love about Interfaithish is how it creates a space for compassionate, loving engagement while also being courageous and bold in its approach to timely and sometimes hot and controversial topics. I remember being a little freaked out about an episode related to a satanic group and the question of bringing Satanists to the interfaith table. And I was like, wow, I thought I was open-minded, but Jack is next level. It takes a rare person to be able to curate that kind of a conversation, but Jack is gifted in his ability to help strangers connect in ways that are surprising and inspiring. I have laughed, raised my eyebrows, been pushed to think outside of the known, all while being held in safety and care, thoughtfulness, and unexpected humor. It's expanded my heart, my mind, my understanding of myself, of social justice, of what I'm comfortable with, and the way I see myself in relation to spirit and community. I feel blessed to be a witness to the journey and can't wait to see what the next 100 episodes bring.
This is Interfaith-ish, our bi-weekly show on WOWD 94.3 FM, where we discuss the common ground and differences between our traditions. I'm your host, Jack Gordon, and this morning, we're listening back to some of our favorite moments from four years of Interfaith-ish, and hearing reflections from past guests and listeners about what they've learned from our show. Congratulations on your 100th episode and your fourth anniversary, Jack, and everybody in the interfaith-ish community. That is so wonderful. What you all do to create a space that celebrates religious pluralism is is absolutely something uh, to be celebrated in and of itself. You know, I think it's one of the key antidotes to this troubling moment that we find our country in and to some extent our world. There are people, for example, like what we saw at the January 6th insurrection who are painting a very specific picture of what religion in America looks like. But we know that that's not the approach of most religious communities. That is not what our religion is about. Our religions are not about hate. They are about love. They are about justice. They are about equality. They are about creating a better world. Um, And unfortunately, so often when we see religion in the news, it's in these um, moments that uh, really really only paint a picture of religion that's being exploited or being misused in some way. So I think interfaith-ish is telling the true story of what diverse religious communities are really about, how we are uh, relating to one another, helping us understand one another better. This is so critical if we are going to get out of this moment. So Thank you for what you have been doing uh, these last 100 episodes for these last four years. And I look forward to many wonderful episodes to come, inshallah, God willing. Hi, my name is Simranjit Singh. I am the executive director for the Aspen Institute's Religion and Society program. Uh, I'm the author of a new book called The Light We Give, How Sick Wisdom Can Transform Your Life. And most importantly, I'm a friend of Jack's and and a friend of this show. Uh, I've been listening for a long time. And what I really love about it um, is the humanity underneath all of the conversations that we're so often having around religious difference. Um, Jack is just this um, warm, uh, caring, and, and really compassionate human. And, and I just love that his curiosity helps to bring out, uh, the elements of our lived experiences that we so often, uh, fail to ask each other about, or that, that we even forget to ask each other about. Like it's, it's so interesting to hear the kinds of questions he raises because they're different and, and they're also really illuminating. So I've, I've loved the show. Um, I've been grateful to be a guest on the show in the past, and and I'm really looking forward to future episodes. So congratulations to the team on your 100th episode and wish you all the best for the future. This is Aaron Jenkins, uh, Associate Minister at New Solo Rock Church Ministries. And I'm excited to record this message for Interfaithish in its 100th 
show. What I love about Interfaith Dish is that it's one show, one hour a week, that is making a huge impact in the way we talk about faith traditions and in the way uh, that what should be happening is that faith traditions talking to each other. So through individuals and through topics, the show has been able to reach across uh, the vast um, highways and um, obstacles that can happen on whatever day our faith traditions meet, right? And it brings people together to speak from their tradition perspective on a relevant topic in the world. And I think something that's missing in our public square discussions aren't just like different religions having a chance to speak, but the interfaith tradition conversation. What does this say about this? And what does that say about that? And what can these things reflect on this topic? Uh, So I am extremely excited for Interfaithish having another 100 episodes and another 100 after that and seeing the growth and progression of not only these interesting discussions and topics, but the movement that happens when dialogue reaches the ears of listeners and those listeners are moved to action. So congratulations to Interfaithish. Congratulations to Jack Gordon. Uh, the awesome host to whom um, this concept has been twirling around not only in his mind, but now in his imagination, but into our radio stations and into our ears. And I look forward to more interfaithish for the days, weeks, months, and years to come. Congratulations. Hey, Jack, congratulations on celebrating 100 episodes of the Interfaithish podcast. I'm so grateful that you provide this incredible platform for us to listen and learn together as people, a part of the beloved community. Look, Jack, congratulations for what you are doing, because I believe as long as there are ideologies, as long as there are beliefs, as long as there are people in this world, we will have new topics and new things to explore together. So congratulations. Congratulations on 100 episodes. Don't stop, Jack. Keep going and celebrate. This is Interfaith-ish, our bi-weekly show on WOWD 94.3 FM, where we discuss the common ground and differences between our traditions. I'm your host, Jack Gordon, and this morning, we're listening back to some of our favorite moments from four years of Interfaith-ish, and hearing reflections from past guests and listeners about what they've learned from our show. Dear listener, as I said at the beginning of the show, The origins of Interfaith-ish come from friendship and collaboration with so many amazing people I've gotten to know through the DC Interfaith community. And honestly, one of the most challenging aspects of the pandemic hitting in 2020 was making the hard pivot from having in-person guests at our radio station to doing only remote recordings for the past two years. Early on in the pandemic, however, I decided to cast a wide net and reach out to folks who also create podcasts about religious communities and culture. And this outreach 
brought me into contact with dozens of new voices and shows, some of whom ended up being my guests on Interfaith-ish. Here's a clip from my interview in 2020 with James and Derek, the hosts of the Latter-day Saints-focused show, Beyond the Block, dialoguing with Jordan and Jonathan, two comedians behind the American Jew podcast. Even though Mormonism is still in a notoriously white and heteronormative faith, we can't help but uh, be a global church that just happens to still have a lot of, uh, you know, straight white males in, in leadership. So consequently, we're going to have to learn at some point to adjust to all these uh, new people and these new ideas that come into the church, because just like Christ Church in the, uh, you know, in the old times and in, in the New Testament church, his goal was for a fully diversified uh, church, even though he wanted us all to be into a unity of faith, what he called it. We also wanted it to be fully diversified and integrated. So I see that it's I, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know exactly what that's going to look like in the future, but it's definitely going to be an uncomfortable change for the church to make because people are getting louder and bolder about you know, who is not being seen in the church, about people who ought to have a place that currently don't. And, um, you know, it'll be very interesting to see how that plays out. There's certainly a tension in the church right now. Like, there's a lot of uh, conversation around what it is to be Mormon, like what that looks like, and who ought to be included in that equation. Uh, but uh, we're, we're nowhere near finished having that conversation. And we haven't really even named that we're having that conversation. So there's, there's a lot of work to be done. Mm-hmm. Derek, yeah. how do you feel? How do you feel about about that tension between sort of the the doctrinal edicts and then the the culture? What you experience on a day to day basis, just being part of a community? Yeah, it's really tough because the the history, the doctrine, and the culture are all intertwined and entangled in a really complicated way. And I think there's a lot of inertia that happens in the culture, things that don't need to be there that aren't even rooted in our sources, but somehow they just happen to, uh, uh, I mean, sometimes the doctrine informs the culture, sometimes the culture sh- shapes the doctrine for good or for bad, and just having to navigate all that can, can make it really difficult. And I, for example, here's one example. Uh, we have a culture of, and it, this isn't even rooted in our sources, but we have a culture that says, oh, once the church leaders have spoken, the thinking is done. Um, there's this extra idea of obedience. And and really, that's not even part of our tradition. It just somehow uh, erupted and, and became predominant that uh, uh, this great deference to church leaders. Uh, we don't officially even think our leaders are infallible. We're not like the Catholics and the Pope. Um, mm-hmm. but it, it's tough to, to navigate against this sort of cultural idea that our leaders are infallible when they've made mistakes many times. We've got 200 years of mistakes that we can point to. And that's kind of what I'm wrestling with is getting back to the sources saying, here's what, what's actually the foundation of our faith, our beliefs, our way of engaging the world. And we don't have to be limited by what this cultural perception is. How's the comedy scene in the LDS community? Well, James does not like my jokes. I don't. <laughs> I, I think I'm funny, um, and, but James does not like my jokes. 
<laughs> Jonathan Jordan, have you guys ever encountered any uh, any LDS com comedians on the scene in New York? I don't think so. Uh, I, no, I know a couple people that have done. First of all, uh, what's his name? Jo uh, I, I know a guy, Josh Homer, who was raised in the LDS uh, community, and I've uh -huh. actually I've met a comedian. I met this comedian who uh, I, I did a show once in Utah, um, and the the uh, guy, the headliner was this guy named Bent Washburn, and he was hilarious. He did a lot of stuff about uh, having grown up um, in the Mormon community. A lot of jokes about green jello. Well, <laughs> he, had a, he had a joke. I remember specifically he said that his name is Bent, B-E-H-G-T-N-T. It's a very strange spelling. He said some people think it's a weird name, but I feel really bad for my brother, Tafith. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, boy. And I also remember around that same time there was a club that opened not far from Salt Lake City, uh, I think near Brigham Young, uh, called Fat, Dumb, and Happy. And it was a comedy club that featured clean comedians and did not sell alcohol. Hmm. And uh, they did not last. <laughs> <laughs> You're not bringing in a lot of money on root beer, I guess. <laughs> I've often thought of using humor as a tool for prejudice reduction because it really can cut through some of the debate and some of the hostility. It really brings you to looking at something from a completely new angle, and especially around LGBT issues. That's kind of what you need is to open up someone's perspective, to humanize the other, to get them looking at it from just a different angle. And yeah. I think humor can really do that. For sure. Well, I think when, when you're talking about something like, you know, uh, you know uh, communities who have gone through such oppression, right? You, if you're talking about uh, the idea of comedy being resil a, a, a type of resilience, laughing to keep from crying, you know, obviously um, Jews... African Americans, uh, queer folk, like th they're some of our some of our best comedians and entertainers fall into one or more of those categories, and it's not by coincidence, right? Yeah, no, I think a lot of humor comes from being an outsider and and commenting on uh, the norms of a society that you don't agree with. I think, or, mm -hmm. or that you don't adhere a hundred percent to. I think a lot of comedy comes from that kind of a perspective. It's also mm -hmm. been a way to gain acceptance for people, you know, that aren't being heard or aren't part. You know, I mean, you make people laugh, they like you. This is Interfaith-ish, our bi-weekly show on WOWD 94.3 FM, where we discuss the common ground and differences between our traditions. I'm your host, Jack Gordon, and this morning, we're listening back to some of our favorite moments from four years of Interfaith-ish and hearing reflections from past guests and listeners about what they've learned from our show. This is Sue Katz-Miller. It's been really an honor to be part of Interfaith-ish through a hundred episodes. It was a joy to be part of the team that helped to dream up this really unique format of putting together a Hindu and a Unitarian, a Mormon and a Muslim, and I'm so grateful to Jack for keeping it going through all of these hundred episodes and creating an archive that I think will be a resource into the future. Yo, Jack, I am so proud of you and of all the work you've done so far with Interfaith-ish. 
I can't believe it that you've made it to a hundred episodes. Most people can't even stand to talk about religion for more than 10 minutes. And you just, you know, you show us how our religious differences are not something to be afraid of. And you show us how we can discuss them and how we can really begin that conversation. You've provided us with such a masterful framework that we can use in our own lives to have these tough conversations. And it has been such an honor to work with you. And I'm so psyched to see what's up on deck next for Jack. Love always, your fellow interfaith astronaut, Miranda Hovmeyer. Dear listener, in the last few months, the world has been moving toward a general feeling of being back to business. But we haven't quite gotten there yet with Tacoma Radio. I can tell you honestly that I'd love nothing more than to resume our show's intended format, bringing two guests into our shoebox studio for a live conversation every other Wednesday morning. But since that isn't in the cards yet, I'm honestly needing to make a bit of a change. I'm not ready to give up this interfaith-ish project yet, but some time ago I felt like my spirit wanted to switch things up. So starting next episode, I'm going to begin an indefinite series interviewing musicians about the spiritual dimensions to the music they create and the music they go to for spiritual inspiration. Some of these artists may practice a specific tradition, many probably don't, and their musical influences will also span the spectrum, from religious to secular. From my perspective as someone who's always found a deeply spiritual refuge listening to a wide variety of music, it's all valid. I'm calling this new series Soul Ladder Music, which is a reference to the Baha'i teaching that music can be a ladder for the soul. I hope you'll join me, dear listener, as we make this climb together. Here's an excerpt from the first episode featuring Seattle-based rapper and DJ Gabriel Teodros. Even if I can't steer this ship, I'm going to ride with it. That was yeah. from your "Be with Me in the Darkness," and I I really like yeah. that line. I mean, that's a that's a soulful line right there. That's that's got everything to do with the spirit. Absolutely. So tell me about that. I mean, that verse in particular. So that so that's from the Copper Wire album, um, which is you know it's a collaboration with my cousin McLeod. Um, and my, my friend Elias Fulmore, and we did this record that's it's like a sci-fi concept, right? Where uh, I play the character in this album of somebody who's half human, half alien, coming to Earth for the first time to learn what it means to be human. Mm-hmm. Um, this character is based on my life. I know that sounds wild, but you know, <laughs> at the time, at the time we wrote these songs, or at least the time when we wrote the first song. Um, I had never been to Ethiopia. I'm half Ethiopian. Mm. Um, I went back to Ethiopia with McLeod and Elias, and I was the only one in the crew that had never been. You know? Oh, okay. Anyways, Be With Me in the Darkness is one of my favorite verses I've ever written. That verse, it's it's in this sci-fi universe, but I wrote this verse that could simultaneously mean three things all together, and, and I meant all of them. 
right? Um, and to me, Be With Me in the Darkness, even the song title is very much like a song about faith, right? Like we're right. moving through this unknown, vast, you know, place in space, right? And like, we literally mean like a spaceship, like even though I can't steer <laughs> this ship, I'm going right. to ride with it. But even though I can't steer this ship could also mean even though I can't steer this relationship, I'm going to mm. ride with it you know? Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, so I'm talking about traveling through space, but I'm also, tra- I'm also talking about the unknowns in a relationship. Like you don't know where this relationship is going to take you, but just be here with me in the darkness, be here with me in the unknown, you know, and, mm-hmm. we'll, and we'll, and we'll figure it out together. And the whole thing can also be a metaphor for faith, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it, yeah, it, it just, it, very literally means like all three three things at once, you know, so. Well, you know, just what you said about those multiple meanings and this idea of relationship, I don't, I don't know if you ever in your explorations um, got into uh, the hidden words of Baha'u'llah, which is one of the sacred writings of the Baha'i faith. But mm-hmm. in that, the speaker, it's, it's done in this Sufi poetry style. And so... Mm-hmm the speaker is sometimes talking with the voice of an authority an authority of the divine of the spirit talking to humanity at other times it's the divine talking to his avatar his vessel his his messenger right his right. prophet right at sometimes it's the prophet talking to humanity and at mm-hmm. other times it's the prophet talking to the divine, right? So yeah. there are all these different pathways, these different relationships, depending on the verse, depending on which of the hidden words that you're reading. And sometimes, like you're saying, it's happening simultaneously. There are these two things that are happening. And that's an interesting thing about art and matters of the spirit, right? Is that when you, sometimes you're talking to yourself, sometimes you're talking to the world, yeah. sometimes you're talking to the universe. Yeah, yeah, it makes me think of Rumi as well, right? Yeah, like, for sure. Yeah, because I feel like you know, Rumi. Rumi has incredible like love poems that are also like about God. <laughs> you know? Yes, yes, that's exactly it. The lover and the divine are the same. You know, exactly. which is it you're talking about? Exactly. Which is yeah, it's something I think about sometimes. You know. Tell me, tell me about on this on this subject of uh, spaceships and so forth. Um, this is a consistent theme as well. So, about it, what is what is science fiction and speculative fiction? Mm-hmm. You know, I, how does that weave into your work, and how does how is how are those? Um, artistic devices a way of exploring some of these these themes of of you know your place in the universe and yeah i mean speculative like i'm i should start by just saying like i'm so deeply into speculative fiction you know and that's and that's been a lifelong love you know going back to watching star trek as a kid you know and x-men comics or whatever um and it's something i've always kind of like played with in my music Mm -hmm. um I got asked to write for an anthology called Octavia's Brood uh, 
right before Copper Wire, actually, in the Copper mm. Wire album itself is an offshoot of being asked to write for Octavius Brood. So about that anthology, if people have never heard of it, it's um, it's an anthology of speculative fiction written by organizers and activists, primarily who have never written science fiction, but in their everyday work, do the work of trying to make this world a better place, to, to create a world that doesn't exist yet, right? Through, through actions, through organizing. And there is a visionary aspect of that because there is a faith in the unseen. There is a belief that a world without racism can exist, that a world mm. without prisons can exist, that a society without patriarchy and homophobia can exist, right? So there is an element of speculative fiction in organizing. And one of the lines that Walida E. Marisha and Adrian Marie Brown who are the co-editors of Octavius Brood always say is that all, all organizing is science fiction. Hmm. So mm -hmm. that invitation to write for that anthology meant a lot to me. Um, but also the idea behind it was kind of revolutionary to me at the time. And, um, but I had never written science fiction. So, but music is the, my first language. So the first <laughs> thing that I did after getting asked to write a short story was I did a song that turned into an album that is copper wire. You know? <laughs> it was like the same day that I got the email. I was in the, I was in the studio with McLean Elias and I was like, yo, let's do a sci-fi project. And they're just, they just both were with it. So, you know, we went for it. Uh, the it inspiration pretty, strikes. <laughs> it, it, it turned out pretty well. It's so interesting to hear about that process and particularly what you said about that work being visionary yeah. in the sense that it is, I, it's not escapism, right? A lot of people no. talk about science fiction as being escapism as as fiction being as an, an, an escape mm -hmm. from the reality right you're you're living in a fantasy world right, right. and I I what i hear you saying is that it's it's not an escape it's not a fantasy it's it's rather putting down on paper you know having a very clear vision of the world that you want to see or in, perhaps in some cases the warning of what exactly. we don't, of what happens if we don't work towards that world. Exactly. You can do a lot of things with, with spec fic, right? Like you can use it as a mirror to reflect our current reality, but you can mm. also like skew that mirror. You can bend it. You can, you know, um, just to show people different things that's possible. And also the use of metaphor to more accurately describe what actually is happening right now. Like all of those things can happen in speculative fiction all at once, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In Colored People Time Machine, you also talk about, I ride the vessel, the vessel is also me. The vessel is also me, yeah. And I love that because that connects back to that idea of the duality coexisting, right? Yeah, absolutely. Colored People's Time Machine was such a fun song to write too. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a great, it's a great line also. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, that song actually was inspired by an Ethiopian brother that I met in Washington, D.C., as a matter mm. of fact. We were at a, at a conference out there. It was in 2008. And, you know, it was an Ethiopian elder, and he was talking about time. As, and he said that uh, it wasn't until he 
came to the United States that uh, time became a commodity, something that you can lose, <laughs> something that you chase. Uh-huh. He said, he, he said, here time moves, but back home, I move through time. Whoa. That just, and that just made so much sense to me. And, and, yeah. uh, and yeah, I don't know, it just kind of all clicked. Like when I wrote that song, like music itself is a time machine. And I wanted to play with and and kind of like reclaim this idea of CPT, you know, color people's time machine. You know, the 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 thing that we jokingly always say when somebody shows up late, you know, as uh-huh. a negative thing. But nah, like we actually like <laughs> we we move through time, you know, differently. And not only that, all music, all music is based on mm. time. You know, it's different time signatures. Mm-hmm. Um, we're keeping time when we keep rhythm. And then music itself can, it can take you to, you know, it, to the edges of the universe and can also take you to, you know, to the beginning, to the beginning of life on this planet, you know, just with the drum, you know, like I, mm. I believe in all those things. So I tried to capture a bit of that in, in color people's time machine. It, it, it was something that just clicked in my head all at once. And I was like, oh yeah, this is it. Dear listener, that's a wrap on 100 plus episodes of Interfaith-ish. I hope you've enjoyed the show's journey so far and will stick around with us as we experiment with my exciting new series of interviews on soul ladder music. The show will air at the same time here on Tacoma Radio every other Wednesday, and you can find all the episodes of Soul Ladder Music as they are released in our same podcast feed on your platform of choice. Look for my interview with Gabriel Teodros in two weeks. It's a great conversation, and I'm looking forward to sharing it with you. Until then, as always, keep it locked to WOWD 94.3 FM for great music and programs seven days a week, streaming online at TacomaRadio.org. Hi, Jack. It's your mom. Congratulations on broadcasting your 100th Interfaith show. I am so proud of your contribution to creating a more unified and peaceful world. Plus, I love hearing your laughter and feel the joy you and your guests emit as they learn about each other and share who they are. Each show has been an education for me, too. I look forward to your next 100 broadcasts. Kisses and hugs, Mom!